the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Eight minutes after 10 o'clock, and hour number two is on way on this uh, uh, Tuesday, the 24th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Thanks again to Brigitte Gabriel from Act for America. She brought a lot of fire, and I know this guy is probably going to top her because he's got two weeks of commentary saved up, and I'm sure he's bursting at the seams right now to let it all out. Peter was on vacation last week, but he's back now with us. Peter Kersenow, so good to have you. Uh, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is a best-selling author. He is a columnist for the National Review. He's an attorney in Cleveland, and he's the host of the Kersenow Report on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, good morning, sir. Bob, uh, we're in the midst of uh, a titanic strategic catastrophe and the kind of humiliation and disgrace uh, that I don't recall the United States ever suffering, at least in terms of uh, international a program that's been leveled on us by our own allies. It's truly astonishing. I know your listeners probably saw some of multiple interviews uh, related to our French, German, but most importantly, British allies who were thoroughly disgusted and justifiably so with what's going on right now. We are, we are in... <laughs> The world is vastly more dangerous now than it was just a couple of weeks ago, all because of an imbecile that the media sold to us, and unfortunately too many of our brethren accepted, because Donald Trump is making mean tweets. Everything got better under Trump, except for the sensibilities of our progressive friends. They were chafed because Donald Trump stood up like no one else did before, and that made them go nuts. And they sold Biden to many people, not to us, but they sold Biden to us, didn't vet him, didn't scrutinize him, lied actively about him. Those of us who had had dealings with Biden were telling everybody he's the stupidest man in the Senate before he became senile. 
And as Robert Gates even said, a man who served under Obama said, Joe Biden has been wrong about every foreign policy decision in the last four decades. And here it's being visited upon America and our allies. This is truly an extraordinary position we're in today. Pete, uh, there's so much ground to cover on all of this. Again, you've been gone for, for well, since last week. Obviously, it's been two weeks since we've spoken then, so we may be rehashing some stuff. But I want to play this, especially since you speak of Biden being you know, wrong on, on so many issues, particularly as it pertains to foreign policy, despite sitting on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee for years and years and years. I want to play a little flashback here. And I want you to compare it to today, now that he's the commander-in-chief. Back then, Senator Biden in 2006 was calling for the resignation or the firing of Donald Rumsfeld because of miscalculations, as they described it, uh, with respect to the Iraq War. And I want you to listen to his call for accountability there, and we'll compare that to now. I'll speak to in a second. And secondly, we have to hold people accountable. We have to hold people accountable for our failures, for the rest of the world looks at us, and when we don't hold our own people accountable, they wonder why they should follow us, our judgment. Everybody says, Biden, why did you call for Rumsfeld's resignation a year and a half ago? Why did you call for it again? It's a simple reason. It's not retribution, folks. I've traveled the world on your behalf. I've been the leader of the Foreign Relations Committee for years. I'm the lead Democrat in foreign policy. I get to meet all these world leaders. They asked me today on television why I think the president should fire Rumsfeld for the message it would send to the world for right now. Right now. It's nothing personal. It's nothing personal about Rumsfeld. It truly isn't personal. But imagine with the headline in Le Mans in Paris, or in Die Zeitz in Germany, or in Beijing, or in Russia, would be read by those people if they fired Rumsfeld. It would say the president understands. He understands the course he's been on is mistaken. And maybe now we'll listen to him as he asks our help. Maybe now. You know, there's an old bad joke. I'm going to stop right there, because, Pete, I think you get the point. He is saying that when... An administration makes mistakes when foreign policy has gone awry, when disasters happen. Accountability needs to happen in order to earn credibility on the rest of the world stage. Well, here he is. How is Lloyd Austin still the defense secretary? How is Tony Blinken still the secretary of state, for goodness sakes? How is General Milley still the joint chief's chair? How are these people who are responsible for all of the decision-making on how they were going to uh, engage the uh, 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 and enact the, uh, the withdrawal of the final troops from Afghanistan, how are they all still employed if he wants the rest of the world to respect this? I'm glad you found that snippet because it is really remarkable because if, by his own standards, by his own standards, Joe Biden should resign from office. Ultimately, That's as right. one other Democratic president said, the buck stops here. The buck stops with Biden, regardless of, and I agree with you with respect to Milley, with respect to Blinken, uh, um, Austin, all those guys, every single one of them. There was a time in America, and I'm not suggesting that, that you know, uh, these guys are, are necessarily the worst we've ever had, but there was a time when, when someone was part of a catastrophic event or catastrophic policy, such as what we're witnessing right now, even if they were not personally at fault, they would resign. 
We have none of that now. A number of people have made the point that, you know, you look at what our current leadership looks like. They are so deracinated, so, frankly, they are not impressive people. And, and I don't exclusively apply this to Democrats. Many people have made the point, probably Mark Stein most, uh, most readily over the last, actually, several years, that our elites and many of our institutions that are governed by elites have become corrupted in the truest sense of the term. They are no longer the best and brightest. These are just a bunch of cronies who have been going along and getting along, have not been improving themselves or society at large, and these are the results. Look at a Milley. One of the memes is where they've got you know two photos, one of General Patton or Eisenhower, and the other of Milley. Milley's never won a war in his life. You know, and then you've got Patton, Eisenhower, the MacArthur. Well, MacArthur used to have, I mean, a, a fair amount of medals on his chest and, you know, the, the five-star our cap, of course, which is uh, uh, really iconic. But nonetheless, Millie's got, you know, fruit salad all over his chest. Uh, Eisenhower's one row of medals, and that's it. Yet these guys don't have the self-respect to resign. It's hard to ask somebody to resign, but this is a catastrophic mistake. The, the ramifications, ramifications of this are going to be experienced by us and our allies for years to come, and they can't be predicted. But we know for certain, just based on the actions over the last couple of days of our enemies, and they truly are our enemies, not just simply adversaries, but look at what China has done with respect to Taiwan. Taiwan is extremely vulnerable because all of our adversaries slash enemies know they have a window. They don't know how long that window is going to last, but at most it's going to be four years because Biden will never be reelected. Biden is the weakest and dumbest president and most incompetent president in history. We can always say that. Maybe Buchanan. Buchanan made mistakes that led to the Civil War, made, made uh, strategic errors, policy decisions that in part led to the Civil War. But Biden, it, it, this, is, this is an amazing thing. Taiwan, Ukraine, Israel, at the very least, all are wondering what the heck is going on, including now our NATO allies who are up in arms. You've heard some of the statements coming from Great Britain, uh, Germany, and other places. They're alarmed because they know that the actions taken by Biden, this humiliation, this, this uh, 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 projection of weakness, has long-term and short-term ramifications. And again, it, uh, weakness invites aggression. And our adversaries are going to, they know they've got to make a move soon, and they will. China's already made a move. So this is a time when, um, if China, for example, advances upon Taiwan, what are we going to do? We are hoping that the deterrent effect, the mere fact that we are America and we are extremely powerful, will deter them from doing anything and thus keep the peace. But now they see that a bunch of 14th century goaters can defeat us and humiliate us because of who is at the helm. This is this is a disgrace of titanic proportions. It is more than a disgrace, Peter. It is uh, it is devastatingly dangerous now for the U.S. I just had Brigitte Gabriel on, and she wrote a piece uh, called uh, 9-11.2, uh, The Fall of America, and that it is coming. It's not going to come in the next two weeks, but it is coming. Um, aside from the international embarrassment, as, aside from you know the you know the the Americans that are stranded, uh, aside from Jen Psaki, Madam Circleback, arguing they're not stranded, they're not stranded. I don't know if you saw that exchange with Peter Ducey yesterday. That. 
But aside from all of that, we have thousands and thousands of al-Qaeda operatives who had been being held in prisons, along with ISIS, Islamic State operatives, who had been captured and been held, including at Bagram, who have all been released. Um, we all know that Taliban detainees, uh, high-value Taliban detainees, were released in 2014 by Barack Obama in exchange for Bo Bergdahl, an American traitor and deserter. Uh, one of those Taliban, released in 2014, is now in charge of this uh, massive, uh, uh, you know, over overtaking of Afghanistan and the new, and the new Taliban government that is going to be recognized as such by Joe Biden. My question to you is, when is the next 9-11? And it doesn't have to be on the scale of a plane into a building. I said the same thing to Brigitte. But but clearly, when you look at all of those individuals that we fought, and American soldiers and some of our allies fought, bled, and many died to capture these people and to provide relative you know, peace from, from you know, uh, terror attacks from al-Qaeda, for example, over the last 20 years, um, you know, now that they're back in play and our southern border is porous and open, it, it's only a matter of time, isn't it, Pete, that, that the next massive jihadist terror attack comes to the United States? Yeah, the key is, as many of us have been literally screaming about for the last several months, is the open border was an invitation. And it didn't just begin right now. That is, it's not just now that the Taliban and others who will uh, wish us ill have noticed our open border. They've noticed it since the beginning of this administration. They've noticed it since forever, frankly. But Trump, at least, had the most secure border of our lifetimes. They've seen, however that not only will the Biden administration wave you in, they will then provide free transportation for you. This is incredible to, the, to anywhere you want to go in the country, practically. And so if you get across that border, the Biden administration will, will get you to your eventual target. If this is an extraordinary thing. You cannot script something this insane and sell it to Hollywood because it's unbelievable. You're right that it will open up um, more... It, it, it's not just our homeland that's at, and I don't mean to say just, it's not only our homeland that is at risk, but every interest that we have around the world is at risk. Uh, forward bases, whether it be in the Middle East or will it be in the Far East, no matter where it is, they are all at risk now, because among other things, logistically, they've made it much easier for us to be hit. But Weakness again invites aggression, and so they are. They, they, this is you can't overstate the scale of this catastrophe. We have been defeated, at least optically, we've been defeated in the last month of a twenty-year war where we were always winning. There was no doubt that right. our troops could beat them at any time, but our political leadership is so deracinated, and it goes to a point. And I'm kind of switching uh, points here now, but it's the most... Well, why, why don't we pause there then, Pete, because I'm always looking for the right place here. Since you're switching points, we'll start up on the next point right after this timeout. It's 1022, so we'll continue with Peter Kersenow right after this on AM 1420 The Answer. Okay, it's 1025, continuing now with Peter Now, Pete, I want you to finish the other point you were transitioning to there before I ask my next question about this. Go ahead, Pete. 
Well, there are a lot of reasons why we're the position we are in today, principally Joe Biden and those around him. But this is, you know, an ongoing problem that's been building for maybe 30 years now. Um, it is the natural, well, it's, I don't know if it's natural. I think there are ways it could have been avoided, obviously, if we had better leadership. But it is the consequence of nearly 40 years of the dumbing down and the eroding of our institutions and our standards. It is, as Donald Trump put it at one point, the wages of wokeness, the dumbing down of every institution we have, whether it's education, where grades are being dumbed down. You remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about an individual who had a D minus average, and he was in the top 10% of his class. And, and that's not unusual. It, rather than strengthening our institutions, we're dealing with things that have nothing to do with merit, nothing to do with math, history, the, the, our civilization, the founding principles and philosophies of our civilization. Instead, we're being told to hate America under critical race theory. We have generals like Milley who are more interested in so-called white rage than the psychology of the Taliban. White rage, microaggressions, transgender bathrooms, critical race theory, pronouns, not anything of substance or the real world. They don't put America first. And this is the natural consequence of that type of idiocy. And as I, a, a term I used before, it's, it's kind of a deracination of America. We have a president who got there because, unfortunately, we have let the media and our institutions lie to us. So many of our people accepted the proposition that Joe Biden is superior to uh, Donald Trump or anyone else. Joe Biden is probably the least capable person to run for the presidency in our lifetimes, if not in the history of the United States of America. That's a defensible statement if it's not necessarily an absolute statement. And yet here he is. Everything has gotten worse under his tenure, whether it is um, uh, inflation, uh, open borders, gas prices, the $3.5 trillion spending bill that's being considered right now that I guess is now in jeopardy, thank God, uh, whether it's paying people not to work, or race theory, you name it, the open borders. And, and you know, the, I mentioned before, the crime rate, all these things are the natural consequences of 30 to 40 years of a, a national erosion of standards not just in our institutions, but personal standards. We no longer think it's important, for example. I know this is going a little bit off topic, but it's all connected. No, now we can't even ask why certain individuals fare better than others when they come from two-parent families. We have diminished all of the things that have made America great, and now we're wondering, well, how did we get to this point? Well, son of a gun, there's a reason why our forefathers understood the importance of these institutions and not to mess around with these institutions in a frivolous way, but that's precisely what we've allowed our elites, so-called elites, to do. Well, they are all interconnected, Pete. I think you're you're 100% right. And on the other side of the news, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about why they are allowed. Um, what I mean by that is the media is complicit in all of this. Now, I was stunned last week, and I went on the air again. You were gone, but I went on the air and, and, and credited CNN for remembering what journalism was. Same thing with MSNBC, even somebody from the New York Times, all calling Biden out on this gaffe, on this massive mistake, this error in judgment, the error in, in execution, uh, try t telling, taking the troops out before getting the civilians and the contractors and the allies out and the military equipment out, etc. They actually called him out, and many of them still are. But I want to compare, and we'll do this after the news, 
what what would the media be calling for if this exact same scenario, scenario had played under Donald Trump? Donald Trump said before he left office he was absolutely going to end the uh, the occupation, not the occupation, that's the wrong word, but the presence of the last 2,500 troops in, uh, in Afghanistan, ending the 20-year war. If he had bungled it this badly, I, I want to talk about how it would be covered and what the left would be doing in Congress. Probably 25th Amendment type stuff. He's clearly not capable. And where does it go from here? Because I don't want 25th Amendment type stuff being talked about for Joe Biden if it means President <laughs> stop Kamala Harris running this show. So let's get into that, Peter Kirsten, now after the news on AM 1420. Isn't it? This is the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Well, that's actually pretty funny. Here come the jesters. Is that the same thing as a clown? Kind of like what you think of when you see Jen Psaki. Their materials and equipment. But does the president have a sense that most of the criticism is not of leaving Afghanistan? It's the way that he has ordered it to happen by pulling the troops before getting these Americans who are now stranded. Does he have a sense of that? First of all, I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text, via email, via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to return home. There are no Americans stranded is the White House's official position on what's happening in Afghanistan. Right? I'm just calling you out for saying that we are stranding Americans in Afghanistan when I said, when we have been very clear that we are not leaving Americans who want to return home. We are going to bring them home. And I think that's important for the American public to hear and understand. Oh. Peter Kirstenau, again, I uh, kind of led into the break there by talking about the media, and I'm curious as to how the media coverage would be of a moment like this. If Kaylee McEnany had said that Americans who have been told originally, you can't, we cannot come and get you in Kabul, you're on your own to get to the airport. If you get to the airport, the Karzai airport, we will fly you home or fly you out. Then, days later, saying, avoid the Karzai airport at all costs. It's too dangerous. Don't go to the Karzai airport. If uh, uh, Kaylee McEnany had said to a CNN reporter like Jim Acosta, there are no Americans stranded there, and I, and I find it very irresponsible for you to use the word stranded to describe people in that position, how would that have played? Yeah, I think the collective media heads would have exploded. It would have been 24-7 excoriation of not just uh, Kayleigh McEnany, but Trump and anybody in, their, in his orbit. Um, what we're witnessing right now is the media starting to recognize that even they can't paper this over. They've been trying to, and they're not as critical as they would be under Trump, of course, but, you know, they're, they're not necessarily doing what they typically do, that is providing uniform cover for this administration or for Democrats, Democrats generally. However, there is clear contrast between their coverage of this debacle, a colossal debacle, and what would happen if Trump had done the very same thing. By now, at least heck, within the first day of this becoming a news item, there would have been calls for impeachment. CNN, MSNBC would have been flooded with guests. 
senators, congressmen from Democratic Party, and, of course, some of the usual suspects among Republicans saying Trump is dangerous to the world, not just to the United States of America now, and must be impeached. Articles of impeachment will already have been drafted. There would have been multiple calls for the 25th Amendment to be invoked. The, the, the contrast would be stark, but not as stark as we've seen in the past because of the nature of this particular event. This is one that even the most gymnastic of media folks could not contort themselves to provide positive coverage for. They're doing their best if they can. Uh, I know that I listened to about five or ten minutes of Hugh this morning, and he had uh, a reporter from the New York Times on. I think it was Michael Shear. I don't read the New York Times, so I'm not familiar with his name, and I don't know why a New York Times reporter has to spend time on a conservative media when we're constantly barraged by these kinds of folks. But Hugh did ask him the question about media coverage related to this matter and how Trump would have been covered. And this guy shredded all this credibility when he said, no, 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 the media would not have uh, uh, treated Trump any differently. Uh, that's false, and we all know it's false. I, I will never, ever pay any attention to that individual again, but I hardly ever pay any attention. I think most of your, your listeners don't pay much attention to mainstream media now anyway. They've completely abandoned um, any kind of credibility. We can't trust them on anything. They papered over almost every significant debacle of the Obama administration, they highlighted the, the most ridiculous conspiracy theories and ran with them for three or four years. And now they go back to saying, well, you know, this is this is really bad. We have to do something about this. But nonetheless, this would have been a, a firestorm of unimaginable proportions had Trump done this. OK, you mixed into some of your response there, the uh, 25th Amendment, which is something else that I asked you about. Pete, you saw probably uh, uh, Kamala Harris uh, coming back from uh, Marine One and was asked by a reporter. Uh, what about Afghanistan? What about the people stranded in Afghanistan? And her response to do what she is what she always does. She giggled and laughed and, and basically said, <laughs> hold on a minute, hold on a minute. I don't know how and in what context somebody asking about Americans stranded behind enemy lines in Afghanistan could lead to a chuckling response before answering it with a non-answer. And that's what she did. She said, getting Americans out is our highest priority, especially women and children. It's our highest priority. In other words, it was a non-answer because the question is, is what are you going to do about it? Don't just tell me what your priority is. How are you going to make that happen? She had no answer whatsoever. I bring all of that up, Pete, to say we can't, we can't 25th Amendment Joe Biden out of the White House because the, 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 you know, the result would be worse. Then, then this pre-Alzheimer's, bumbling, stumbling, full patient, Joe Biden, it would be worse if you had, you know, the, the Queen of Giggles uh, sitting in the commander-in-chief seat of the American military. Yeah, here we are. We have no good alternatives. That's the position that we are in today. If you look at the natural lines of succession, there's nobody there that anyone could possibly want as president. If there is one salutary effect out of this, maybe a sliver of the population will have been awakened to the importance of exercising your civic duties responsibly, and that means being critical or looking in a critical fashion at what the media feeds you. We've been hearing so much from the media on a variety of topics that are just patently false, but they serve an agenda. But I agree with you. Uh, what do we do? I mean, Biden is clearly incompetent. Uh, the only advantage to Kamala Harris is she's slightly more sentient 
than Obama is. I'm sorry, not Obama, but than Biden is. And nonetheless, it would be the same ideological perspective. We would have a lack of experience. It's the ideological perspective in addition to um, the fact that she's incompetent that, that makes this so worrisome because what she betrayed in that cackle, which I know she gackles about everything, but what she betrays given the significance of this is this, you can't imagine anybody who is seriously in love with the United States of America cackling at any point over the last week. It doesn't happen. I know it may be a tick of hers, but it's simply you would exercise the discipline not to do it. This is a solemn moment. Thousands of Americans are truly in jeopardy right now. They will not be out of jeopardy until they're home. Now, there's a fairly good probability that nobody gets hurt. There is. Let's face it. There's a very good probability of it. But there is also the true possibility that somebody gets hurt or that players adjacent to the Taliban. The Taliban may want for purposes of consolidating their power and making sure that the United States doesn't come in in mass, let everybody out without anybody being hurt. That doesn't necessarily apply to independent actors or somewhat independent actors such as Al-Qaeda and ISIS, who would love to take Americans hostage or humiliate Americans even further. That's why this is such a volatile time. And think about it, Bob. Who do you see in the lines of succession that gives you any kind of confidence that America and the American military can do this. We, we know they can. The American military is phenomenal. They can do it left to their own devices. Um, that is, once you get past a General Milley uh, and, and Austin, but they can do this. They can accomplish this. We, we've heard from so many of them that are eager to do this, some of those who have served in the past. But when you look at the political leadership, is there anybody, if the 25th Amendment were revoked multiple times, at what point would you get to somebody who you could say, well, you know, this person looks like they could actually perform the duties of the, the presidency in a time such as this? Sure, we have people who might be able to preside over America in this giant bureaucratic, unelected state that we've constructed in ordinary times. I mean, we are going on automatic pilot toward oblivion anyway with all of this spending and, and this growth of the government. But at a crucial point like this, where serious decisions have to be made by serious people, can you cite anybody, Bob? And I'm, I'm not you know, saying it to you, but can yeah. anyone really cite anyone within the lines of succession? Go down. Kamala Harris? No. Nancy Pelosi? No. Uh, Chuck Schumer? No. None of these individuals would you trust with the reins of power. Where does it go from there, by the way? I was curious. Where does it go? You know, I, it go I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I can't recall. I'd have to look at, at my, uh, my Constitution. I'm familiar with the 25th Amendment, but after, I mean, yeah. and, and there's another point, Bob. The fact that, you know, I have some familiarity with the law and the Constitution, but we're at a point now we have to ask we have to dig six or seven people down no one's looked at this before before we know who it is who would take over yeah the only reason i asked is because the only democrat i think honestly in the federal government that i would say i I could survive for two years perhaps would be somebody like joe manchin who is not a dyed-in-the-wool Marxist uh, slash communist uh, to be, you know, and and uh, and 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 Islamic apologist. Um, that's the only thing I could think of, but I don't know how far down you'd have to go before you could pick a senator, a hand-picked senator, and say that's the next guy. But anyway, but it does underscore your point. We are left bereft of options. Pete, I've got two more quickies for you on this. Um, with respect to uh, the decision to get out at all. Um, 
you know, I think the polls show an overwhelming desire for, for among Americans to get out. That's why Donald Trump said we're going to do it. We got to get him out of there. Uh, is there any case to be made for? Did we really have to do this? We have troops left behind on bases in previous war zones in Germany and Japan and Korea, and nobody calls them forever wars just because we keep a security force there to respond to threats if need be in the region, and also just as a presence, which kind of limits a lot of the, you know, some of the more aggressive tactics, perhaps, perhaps of other individuals who might be interested in doing so. Couldn't we just do the same thing here and keep that 2,500-man force there? Because that's what provided the 300,000 Afghan security force with their backbone, the presence of the American troops there. We don't have to be in a constant state of war to be in, in position to kind of dissuade other activities. Is there any room for that? Well, you know, I've spoken to a few individuals on this because I'm not, you know, an expert on this, although I, I guarantee you I and probably three-quarters of your listening audience could do a vastly superior job to Biden on this. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, uh, in a circumstance such as this, I think most Americans want to get out of Afghanistan after 20 years, but there's nothing that says when you get out, you've got to leave. I would have kept over in Bagram, for example, or at least had a presence in Bagram if it, if it wasn't just completely controlled by, by Americans. I think the Brits would probably join us in that, have a little a nominal force that, and maybe some other allies would too. But to completely get out, as, as many people said, it wasn't the decision to get out, which Trump had also, I mean, Trump had initiated. He wanted to, to remove the majority of our forces. But no one credibly can argue that Trump would have done this the way Biden has done it. As I think it was, uh, there was a reporter, I think it was Peter Ducey from Fox said, it's not uh, the what, it was the how. It's how you went about doing this. It, that was so inept. I do think that it, it makes sense to keep a force there. Unfortunately, no one wants that. But that's, those are the hard choices that a president has to make. Yeah. Sometimes they're unpopular choices. Sometimes longitudinally, they're the only choices that can be made to continue to protect American security. It's not merely a matter of saving face. And when I say merely, saving face is an important thing, because if you do not save face, you invite, again, you invite aggression. The Chinese, the Russians, the Iranians, they are all on the move. They're licking their chops right now. So I think it's a fundamental error to continue to say, as Biden says, that we're getting out completely lock, stock, and barrel. That's a giant mistake. We, are, we have made um, Afghanistan, or, or will be in short order, more dangerous than it was prior to 9-11. Because all kinds of terrorist organizations will now know America will have no appetite for going back in there and doing what they did once before. They'll have an unimpeded platform. Moreover, Pete, not only are they more dangerous than they were before, how much American blood? How many lives were lost trying to to eradicate that threat? To now, just 20 years later, say it's back and better than ever. Uh, what a slap in the face of every Gold Star family who lost a loved one who made the sacrifice over there. Absolutely, and we've seen many of those in the media over the, the, the last week or so. And not just Americans. You know, you've seen Brits and others who have bled there, and they're furious. What was it for, they ask themselves. Uh, you do this, you make this political calculation when honorable men and women gave lives and limbs. I don't know how many times we've seen these commercials of uh, vets who have lost limbs. 
And it's not a small number. I mean, I, I've encountered them uh, myself, mm-hmm. and it's a, it, it, you, you can't, there's no way of overstating the debt we owe these heroic individuals, and Biden has just simply tro- thrown that and their, their contributions into the trash. And now he doubles down and says, at least right now, he is saying we're getting out August 31st, as if there's this artificial deadline has some intrinsic significance to it. It doesn't. That's the kind of stubbornness of a stupid person, that he can't entertain any options that actually make his catastrophe at least marginally marginally tolerable. Nope. He's going to stick to it because of quote-unquote optics. That's how far our elite classes have descended. Optics and cosmetics are more important than substance. Shameful. Yeah, I, um, I, um, I disagreed with President Trump when he said he was going to pull him out. I disagree with Biden doing it now. I certainly disagree with the method. I, just while you were talking, Pete, I looked up the number. We have between thirty-eight and 50,000 troops in Germany. We have uh, 28,000 troops in South Korea to deter aggression from the north. And we have up to 50,000 troops in Japan. Again, these are places where we have been at war. And they're there to keep the peace, to make sure that the aggressions of some enemies or previous enemies do not get restarted. And it works. It works very, very well. Why we couldn't keep a couple thousand troops... Uh, in Afghanistan on a base to, again, provide the backbone that the Afghan security forces themselves needed to resist the Taliban, which would be kind of akin to the North Korea in the example I gave over there on the Korean Peninsula to stop them from aggressive action. Why we didn't do that to protect that hard-won victory in running off the people who uh, sponsored and funded and trained the al-Qaeda operatives who hit us on 9-11 is something I just don't understand. There are smarter people, like you, like you said, than, than, than you or me, perhaps working in the Defense Department, but um, I haven't heard anybody explain that yet. Yeah. And, and that's not partisan either, like I said, because Trump wanted to do the same thing. And uh, the vast majority of the American people, according to surveys, say, get us out of there. But I think it's just because they're being beaten over the head with the quote-unquote forever war, the 20-year war, blah, 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 that the media calls this. I think it would have been strategically sound to keep people there to keep the uh, uh, Taliban at bay. But that's that's just me. All right, Peter, thank you, my friend. Great analysis as always. Thanks for listening to my uh, my little monologue there, too, as well. I it always was great. appreciate the conversation, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Bob. Bye-bye. Thank you, Pete. 1053, final segment coming up, AM 1420. The definitely evil, born with scandalous and evil, most definitely the t- Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, 1057. I got time for a call or two before the top of the hour and the end of the broadcast. We're going to go to uh, Michael in Cleveland. Michael, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to talk about the pledge for one second here. Um, yeah, please. Listen, I, I am thankful to live in America. I love America. We're the most powerful country in the world, and that's great. But I think it's creepy. Like, I mean, I grew up in the 90s. I think it's creepy to have children recite something. Why do you think that's creepy? 
it just is. It feels authoritarian. It feels weird. It, it feels like we should be more advanced than that. Are you Christian? Michael? Uh, I'm kind of agnostic. I, I think there's a God out there somewhere. I think there's some. So you're not religious, so you don't, you don't pray? Uh, no, I don't. But I, I recognize that it could be valuable in my life. Do you think that it is appropriate for parents who raise their children as Christians or Jews or whatever faith that they are to have their children recite prayers? To have their children do what? Recite prayers. Uh, if that's like how you're raising your children in your private home, then sure. Okay, because this is, this is the point that I'm getting at here, Michael, and I appreciate your question. I appreciate your opinion. I disagree with it wholeheartedly, but I appreciate, and certainly, uh, your right to say it. That's what I support wholeheartedly, but here's what I would say to that, and thank you for the phone call. The reason why people ask their children to recite prayers is so that they can actually develop and grow in their faith in, in, in the God that they're praying to. They grow in the faith, uh, in their faith. Uh, uh, in their own values and the things that their religion teaches them. The Pledge of Allegiance is, in a manner of speaking, a prayer to the idea of liberty and the idea of freedom, which is something for which every child in America should be grateful. Because guess what? Children in nations around the world don't have it. And asking them to strengthen their faith in their own liberty, that is something that I think is absolutely appropriate. Thanks for the call. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.